coming on. Looks like the mics are on. Yep, I'm seeing the little thingy there. That's good. All right, here we go. <clears throat> What's up? Hello out there in the internet. Hello, interwebs. How it goes? It goes. How it goes. Uh, I can't hear myself, so. Hopefully it's it's going well. I have some some issues. Everything looks good, so I'm just gonna roll with it. Cause I mean I can't. Oh, there we go. I know what I need to do here. There we go. Now I can hear again. It helps if I turn my volume up. Maybe yeah, that'll <laughs> that'll help out. If you can't you can't can't hear the silence. You can feel the silence. I can feel the silence, but I can't hear the silence. So, see how that works. <laughs> Stay here in the bridal town. So, all right. How you been, Ry? I've been good. Busy, busy, busy. That's pretty much the word of the day, word of the weekend. You're always busy. Yeah, but in a different way. Like, a lot more stuff went on than usual. Okay. I'm very sporadic anyways, but this weekend was playing to the T, so. Oh, well, that's okay. So, do we have any announcements before we get going to this? Any big announcements? No. Any announcements? Any announcements? Um, well, went to another wine fest again this weekend. All right, well. The next episode of our Witcher Season 1 review has been made public. So that is true. Witcher, toss one at yours. Check it out the YouTube channel. Yes. <laughs> Check it out, people. Check it out. Oh, people are starting to come in the chat room. Yay! Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yep, another, another episode review for The Witcher. Uh, another... Um, uh, one another post of our episode, our weekly podcast is posted up too, right? Should be. Okay. I have to double check. It's been a long, long week. Understandable. <laughs> I can feel that longness, but in different ways. Yeah, I was, uh, I was on call this week, so a lot of late nights, and I think I'm just overly exhausted. Oh, yeah, I can so, see it on your face. Yeah. I understand Get your sleep. <sighs> Sleep is important, but this is coming from someone who doesn't like to sleep, so I'm kind of a hypocrite, so don't listen to me. Maybe. I don't know. All right, we'll roll with it. Yes. So, let's get into this. Another Scuba Welcome and back. the Rye. Yeah, Scuba and the Rye. Rye guy it is. Okay, so, I guess as start this off, we'll do our what we've been up to for the last week, because it's only been a week. <laughs> yeah, it's only been a wee week, a couple days, but there is a lot of stuff. For yeah, a lot can happen in a week. Yeah. I mean... Let's see, we had the uh, passing of Kobe Bryant. That is daughter. very, that, when that news dropped, it just kind of hit me. Because there's not like, I understand when, you know, celebrities die, it, it, it happens. But there's certain, certain, like, icons of industries that, like, when you hear it, it's a shocker. Well, also, you typically hear about some of them as they've yeah. died of old age, not necessarily an accident like this. And yeah certain people are more iconic to certain yeah. generations than others yes so yeah being of young age um his daughter being in the helicopter and her best friend and her family mm. they were all heading to a basketball game you know that they were going to play and coach that kobe was going to coach in so it, it just it just it heightens the awareness when you see something this sudden it heightens the awareness of the fragile the fragility of life Yes, and I can see that. Yeah, there's only been not many celebrities have hit me hard when it, when passings happen, but this is like one of three, three or four that have happened that have like hit me just because of their kind of inspiration of their either their work ethic or just their quality to their craft. Okay. So just a just a quick handful of the other ones: um, Chester Bennington, lead singer, one of the singers for Lincoln Park, that hit me hard. He mm -hmm. was very inspirational. When it comes to writing and music, mm -hmm. um, Anthony Bourdain, when yes. that hit, that hit me very. I'm reading a book of being his. A, being a foodie, being and... a foodie, and just being just he was at the top of his craft, both writing and food. He's yeah. a good writer, 
And the one that really hit me the hardest was Robin Williams. Oh. Yeah. I literally cried for days after that one. So, but that's, you know, they, they don't hit me very hard. But, you know, the ones that have inspired my craft do hit me hard. Yeah, and it, that's definitely a very noteworthy list. Yeah. I know another recent entertainer who passed was uh, Neil Parrott. Yes. So, yeah, that kind of... Because I've read a couple of... I've started reading one of his books, and I know our mutual friend is a real big fan of Rush. Oh, yes. And has got several of Neil Parrott's books. Yeah, like, like he, he, he let us know when it happened. So, so that's good. All right. But anyway, moving on to moving positives. Moving on. So, positive things. Okay, well... All right. Even though it was a downer, I did learn at it at the annual Coastal Wine Fest that I go to, Coastal Wine Fest in Virginia Beach. Happens every January, so I went there with my cousins, and this is the first time my brother joined me. Oh, wow. So he got to uh, partake in some wine, but he also went and partake because what happens at this wine fest is not just wine. So they have beers, they have ciders, and they have liquor. Mm-hmm. So he had one of the distilleries. So he had a, a, good, a, good, a good time with some bourbon, so... Nothing wrong with bourbon. I know. I'm not. But drink responsibly. This is a responsibly. Show. Some kind of drink. Not orange <laughs> drink today. Pink drink. Pink drink. Pink drink today. But yeah, I'm, Does it I'm come with a little umbrella. No umbrella. Oh. <laughs> I wish. I wish. I wish there was an umbrella people. But yeah, I just went there, went, and I had a goal to find some wine, and then I splurged. So you know, what happens. Yeah. But. There was one thing, the one thing my, my girlfriend kicked me in the butt for, but th- whenever you go to wine festivals, there is always, event, at the events, they always have, they make wine for the events. So uh, there was a lot of holiday spice wines, but this one place had a mocha wine. That is a dangerous, that was a dangerous drink, because it felt like you were just drinking Starbucks. You couldn't taste the alcohol. That's what I call a danger wine, because if you can't taste the alcohol and you get down a bottle, mm. but... They weren't selling it by the bottle. They were selling it by the class. That's what happens at events. That's what happens with event wines. Yeah. So. Well, you have limited quality and, you know, you got to get your... But I did enjoy it, people. And then um, that was Sunday. Saturday, went to the movies. Talk about that later. And then went to lunch with a friend. And then me and my brother, I took him to Farmhouse Brewery. So you got to partake. Got to go check that place out. Yeah, you do need to. Whatever. Oh. So that, that was the weekend. That was the weekend. Yeah, and Noodle Man, but you know I do that all the time. Yeah. Okay. Um. So for me, let's see. Like I said, I was saying earlier, I was on call for work, so yeah. long hours. Happens. Um, well, you know, friends hit me up early in the week to try and do some more Halo Five. Oh yes. I had to pass on that because I expected to have to log in and do some work at 10 o'clock yeah friday night they hit me up and i was like sure however i've got to stop at 10 so i can do this work they were cool with it so we finished halo 5 guardians okay so we'll get into more of that when we get to there that reminds me of another what up another part of what up but you can keep going okay yeah um but probably one of the more interesting things is i took top shelf to the dmv okay to try and get his learner's permit okay now i don't know if you're familiar with it but there's this new initiative called the real id yes i have one you have one yes okay i we talked about a little bit thursday night at bowling league but then we get into doing the paperwork and looking into it friday obviously our first trip to the dmv top shelf was not prepared (laughs) so we had to go back Anybody who's been in the DMV understands this pain. The length. That's all I'm saying. So we went back. Yeah. And either way, he got an ID out of the trip on Friday. Okay. He did not get his permit. He failed the test. Okay. But the interesting story is while we were waiting in line, there was a gentleman in front of us who was getting his real ID. Right? Um. He has passport with him or whatever, and he only had this weekend because he expected to be out of town until Christmas before he come back. Okay, that's, so a, like, that's a lengthy time. Well, we got in a conversation. The reason why he was going to be out of town is he was going to be going to various areas to do workouts 
with major league teams. Turns mm-hmm. out he's a major league baseball player. A pitcher. Okay. He's a really nice guy. Um, he was part of the Rockies for a couple of years. Okay. And then was traded to the Cubs shortly after they won the World Series. Okay. But then he got injured. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about. He, he's only like 29, but he's had major, major injuries. I think yeah. he was he was talking about how he had got hit by a line drive, shattered his wrist, his forearm. Yeah. Um, he's jacked up his shoulder a couple of times. He's messed up his legs. Yeah. I mean, he's just. But it was interesting to hear from an actual professional player. Now I've known yeah. people who've gone on to professional sports, but I don't know. I've never really talked to anybody who is actively a professional sport player. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever talked to anyone actively. So, the, so. it was fun. Turned out, I mean, as we got into the conversation, found out, oh yeah, he was on these teams, and it was really cool. Got his name. I'm not going to say it here, but he was a he's a pitcher on the Rockies. Oh, yeah. He's then traded to the Cubs. So, sport files, you look that up. Yeah. Um, but a really nice guy. He did talk about how he spent some time in Korea, playing for a team there because he was. A lot of teams here wouldn't pick him up for some of the medical stuff. But he's all cleared, so he's good. Yeah. So he should be great. We should see him on the roster yeah. at some point. Baseball is a big sport over in Asia. In yes. Japan and Korea. And, but it was interesting that he got in, played for a little while in Korea, and mm. then came back. So he did a lot. he's done a lot of traveling. He actually showed me his, his uh, Korea visa stamp and his passport. <laughs> so was... That's but cool. We were waiting and chatting with him. And then it was like, our number gets called, and we say our goodbyes, and as we're standing there, then he gets called, and he's at the window right next to us. <laughs> he's like, not too far to travel, my friend. Yes. He's like, but, uh, I haven't seen you here in these parts. <laughs> but I, it's one of those interesting conversations you meet with. It's always cool when you you know you talk to people that you think might not be what they seem, and then they're just pretty much down to earth. Well, I tend to like to yeah. strike up a conversation either... Whether it's just a simple, idle cocktail chat, yeah. but this kind of evolved in the, a longer conversation, and I thought it was really interesting. And it was a good way to pass the time, mm-hmm. because you've got nothing but time in the DMV. There is length. So. But just to rerun real quick, uh, Friday night was the start off of the weekend, and got to see one of my favorite comedians played at ah, the concert right. center you did go to the... uh joe coy he's a filipino comedian so i took it was me my brother uh, my mom and my girlfriend angelica had oh, a very boy. good th- that time my mom likes the jokes when she can understand them and she had a very good time with the jokes <laughs> that's always a good time just F, you know so um and then of course the weekend i did was out balahack like always. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Saturday afternoon, we were going to play a game, but one of the guys wasn't feeling good, so the game got canceled. Sunday, we had Agents of Shore, which that had its own set of hilarity. I love the Agents of Shore people. <laughs> Trust me. But aside from the work, but I think my biggest thing is just I'm really exhausted right now. Yeah. And it's like... I know that I'm so exhausted that I'm actually not getting certain things done that I should get done because I'm so exhausted. And I feel bad, but as I commented in our one of our meetings, I may take a day off from work just to be like, I need to catch up on rest. I need to I need to rest mentally. That that is a that is a term that gets thrown around at my job where they said to just take a day off just for a mental day. That's what they, that's what we call it over there, a mental day. Yeah, unfortunately, the IRS opened this week, so this week is probably not the best day to take a mental day. Yeah, sometimes you just have to, people. (laughs) But that's how that is, so. Um, Actually, I think that's it. Is it? Yeah, pretty packed. Got some Munchkin games. See? And there went. See, it did it again on me. I am not AFK. It is not AFK. We are not AFK, people. We are Scuba and the Rye K. 
Yeah, this is some reason the Discord thing. I'll figure it out later. Anyways. We'll so, get it going. Yeah, this is IRL. We'll just take it as it goes. Go with the flow, people. Um, so now we covered that. So we can just uh, kind of roll into this. So time for some movie reviews. The movie review is on deck. Yes, and this week we have The Gentleman. The Gentleman, people. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> if y'all get that, get then you're awesome, never gonna get old. You are awesome. <gasps> all right, so The Gentleman by Guy Ritchie. Yes, a writer and director. So he wrote and directed this film, which he does a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. Some of them, I mean, not all of them, but most of the movies that are that he does is written and directed by him. Okay. So 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 let's talk about The Gentleman. Oh yeah. I mean, already this has got a really interesting cast. Oh yeah, it's it's a who's who's uh, a, uh who's who's of people that you will know. So at, at the top, at the top in the main lead, you do have Matthew McConaughey as Mickey Pearson. Um, but running down the list, you have Charlie Hunnam, uh, Michelle Dockery, Jeremy Strong, Lynn Renee, Colin Farrell, Henry Golding, and Hugh Grant, and a few others. That's a so, pretty good. One. Those are the, the 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 big names that you see in this. So film. apparently, this is set in a as a British mob. Yeah, um, Guy Ritchie is known for making very um, intricate but intuitive uh, British crime mob films, and all his films center around uh, a central object, but it's sporadic. But centrally focused. There's a very ironic way that his films flow where there's so many stories going on, but it's all leading to something. Okay. So they're all over the place, but they all are leading to something. So the two big things that are always in a Guy Ritchie film, like the two main things in his outline, is you always have that central MacGuffin and a cast of lively characters. So mm-hmm. no matter if you're talking about this film or his uh, his older films like Lock, Stock, um, uh, Snatch, even uh, Sherlock Holmes to a degree... You have you have that central MacGuffin and then a cast of lively characters. Okay. Even even his blockbuster that he did last year, you still kind of see it. What was but, his blockbuster uh, last year? Um, Aladdin. He directed Aladdin. Oh, he did Aladdin. Yes. Will Smith and. Uh, okay. So, but like I said, you always have that in the outline of his films: the okay. central MacGuffin and a cast of lively characters, regardless if it's twenty or five. You know. All right. But. Um, the main focus of this film focuses on um, Matthew McConaughey's character's Mickey Pearson as he's trying to um, sell off his drug empire that he's built out, built in Great Britain to an Oklahoma billionaire. And in the hopes of a smooth transition... Um, everything goes sideways. Everything goes sideways, and what he learns is trying to get out of the down the world is not as easy as it seems because you always have to worry about um, third-party elements that like to just thrust themselves into the mix okay so i you talk about this and i'm picturing an older film yeah and that is the one that sylvester stallone did called oscar been a minute since i've seen it so you might have to dust my cobwebs. all right this very similar premise that we're talking about only this is centered in the 1920s okay mafia era um of the Roaring Twenties or whatever. And Oscar, played by Sylvester Stallone, was someone who was trying to get out of the criminal world. Yeah. He was bootlicking business and all that and wanted to go as a legit businessman, a legit banker. And in this day that he goes through and tries to have these meetings with bankers to be investors, to get out of it, people in the house trying to adjust to this non-criminal thing, and all kinds of shenanigans kind of run through because he's trying to get out and trying to get out is so much harder oh yeah so it plays along it does masquerade with a lot of like um, common um, uh, 
gangster tropes and the British crime dramas. And it does have a lot of elements from his like prior films. Like if you've seen any Guy Ritchie movie, you can find it not not in a predictable way, beat by beat, but just the the feeling of it. Okay. So what what you find in this film is that there's a colorful nature to the narration. Everything is very about face, but built in with the dialogue and the interaction with the characters. That's what is prime in the strength of this film, is the interaction between the characters and a mixture of satire and drama. Okay. So it does like a, a lens on the crime drama tropes, but does it in a way where it doesn't outsmart itself, but it puts the characters at the forefront to move the story or move the film along. There's no like central story. You're just kind of like it's like a slice of life. In, a situ- in this situation. Slice of life and watching this transaction happen slowly and surely. But nobody, it's not playing against somebody's dumb-witted personality. Everybody's smart. Everybody makes decisions, but makes smart decisions. With a, with a, you know, a few other characters that don't, but everything leads to something. So okay. there's very subtle reference in soft foreshadowing, but not to the point where you can't, that you figure it out and then it ruins the because what happens in the film is that all the stuff that happens, like I said, there's so many storylines going on that there's a lot of red herring and twists happening that it, it throws you off of what is that happening over here. Mm. So when things come around, you, you're as surprised as the characters that are in the scene. Okay, so were there any shortcomings? Um, I wouldn't say it's a shortcoming, but it's got the familiarity of a lot of his past films. So it does take away from that, that um, originality feel. Because you can feel the outline, like he just like plugged and played an outline from uh, like Psych Snatch, which is one of the most recognizable films that he's ever done. So you can see the outline. He's trying to he's trying to the term you hear when directors like to go back to their old well uh, well trying to recapture that magic. You kind of you kind of feel the magic a little faded, but never lost for entertainment. Because you're you're entertained because there's a uniqueness to what's happening here. Okay. Yeah. So. What are we calling this on the rating? Um, I'm definitely. I say this is a really good time. It's another. It's another. I mean, good outing for Guy Ritchie because he's had some stinkers in the past few few years. Not Aladdin, but other ones before that. He's had some stinkers, but this is another like a return to form for him. Like it, it highlights the strength of how he writes dialogue, how witty he makes the characters, and how when everything comes together, you just enjoy the journey with these characters. So 3.5 out of 5 for Matt. Okay. So how does this compare to Peaky Blinders? Uh, compared to Peaky Blinders, it's like comparing apples to oranges, because they're both gangster dramas, but the flavor is different. So it's like one is more like old school hard nose drama, where this one's very satirical with a mixture of drama. Everything is very dark satire. The comedy is in the dialogue. So if you know British comedy to a degree, you know it can be dry, but if you really like it, it will get you laughing. And the dark horse in the movie is Colin Farrell's character. Oh, really? Yeah, he is hilarious. Okay. I think it I think I think you would enjoy this. Check it out when it pops up on the stream. Yeah. So. All right. So, next, what is next on the to-do list? To do or not to do? That is the question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess real quick, uh, we'll roll into state of game because we don't really have a whole lot of movie type news oh yeah this, this is I've, I've gone kind of lesser known with the movie reviews i was like pumping out like three or four this was a it's more nice to slow take a break yeah it is really nice to take a break but that's just because the oscar films are and a lot of films just drop at once and so and i had the time <laughs> i had the time people now it's back down all right so now we'll just roll in the state of game so state of game what games we've been playing? What games have I been playing? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? You tell me. I don't know. What do you think, people? Can you guess? It's probably the same one you're thinking. <laughs> Borderlands Outer 3. Wo- Borderlands 3 has and been... And Outer Worlds. And Outer Worlds. But mostly this weekend was just uh, Outer Worlds. 
Okay. So. Did you get off a of monarch? No, I'm still a monarch, and I the more I, I explore, the more I find other things. Mm. So I ran across I ran across this uh, this power plant, and I tried to sneak in, to take out somebody. Or I had to go sneak in to get something, and then the people came out after me. So I just was like, you know what, screw it. So I just killed everyone in the power plant, and then took out the guy that I had to take out for another group. Okay. So the one thing you're, what I'm learning is that factions matter in this game, and there's a lot of factions. So depending on who you're doing missions for, you know, it'll outweigh this. But the thing is, depending on what you're outweighing, there's also this third party element over here that it could have an effect. So. Just like I've said before, the st the storytelling in this game is so tight that it just it gets you enjoying or looking forward to the next you know person you talk to to find out how is this going to connect with what I need or how is this going to connect to the next planet I go to. Oh man! So sounds like I need to pick that back up. Oh yeah, it's it's it like once you get the monarch, that's when it's like the wild wild west, but in a good way. Okay. Well, as I was saying, uh, Raz and Penumbra. Yeah. Caught me up Friday, and we uh, finished the last third of Halo 5 Guardians, which okay. I've never finished. You've never beat Halo 5? No. I think to date I have only completed two of the Halo games. And that it's the one where it looks like Cortana's doing something behind the scenes. Halo 5 Guardians. It's been a while. Halo 5 Guardians was a new direction for the game yeah. because you were not solely... Master Chief. Yeah. You yeah. play... There was two storylines converging. Yeah. One storyline you played as Fireteam Osiris with Agent Locke. Um, and then the other team was Blue Team, which are Master Chief and uh, other Spartan 2s who had survived this whole Covenant War. So Cortana has somehow started activating these ancient Forerunner mechs. Yeah. And you're trying to figure you're figure out what's going on and but there were elements where you had a lot more you had some open world points where it's I, like you yeah. had to try and find things well in case anyone is watching yeah. this and familiar with the game <laughs> yes but i had never actually finished it yeah. i've watched the playthrough i've watched gamers little playground yeah. stuff on it but i have not watched i have not done it yeah now that i've done and we did it as a group, and it was fun. There were some moments it was, like, really kind of trippy. Like, mm. the, I think one of the ones that sticks out is when you go, when you catch a, when you're Osiris team, and you catch a ride on a Guardian to this planet that Master Chief and all the rest of them are on, and you open it up, and you're running down the Guardian and have to jump off oh yeah and it's this massive jump it's just that whole run and jump run down it's really kind of cool it was really kind of freaky the first time we went through it oh, yeah. but, so we finished that it was fun didn't unlock the other ending but it still makes me want to go through all of the halo games on legendary yeah to get my own experience going through this. Yeah, that might be a very daunting task because Legendary is, is, is Legendary for a reason. Well, also, the other thing is Legendary on the Bungie games is definitely different than Legendary on 343. Because with Bungie, their Legendary was difficult. With 343, Legendary is like a whole different set of difficulty. It's like Legendary is almost like normal or the second one up from normal yeah and three four three whereas so it's just a lot to go through and a lot more difficult oh i noticed that especially playing the first time playing before with three four three like going on the that one difficulty i'm used to playing i was like this is legendary what the heck's going on <laughs> yeah they, they were brutal yes but it's a fun game. I had a good time. I can't wait for the next Halo game. Halo Infinite. Yes. Comes out this year, people. Yes. This Actually is the getting year. it. <laughs> oh, excuse me. All right. So, next thing is D and D stuff. Like I was saying, Agents of Short. Agents of Short was going on, and see how we set this up. The agents. 
we last left off, had come out of the neat pie shop trying to find this stone. Yes. And as they stepped out, they noticed there's a figure on top of the building. Yeah. Who's kind of laughing at them. Well, we decided to take chase. And so now if you can picture the town, the city of Waterdeep, which is typical fantasy city type thing. And it's a blizzard outside. So we got a raging snowstorm. And you got this group of halfling, dwarf, gnome-sized creatures chasing a human. The human is jumping from rooftop to rooftop, and we're in a combination of running down alleys and chasing across the rooftops in pursuit. So several... So we had these difficulties for environment and as well as the storm and then trying to keep keep up with this character well we do inadvertently manage to steal a significant amount of damage yeah to the to the character to where the character runs into a theater we pursue pursue into the theater uh, my character and two others we went in the front door and then another character went in the back door. And we found and captured the individual. It's a female swashbuckler. Um, we capture, we subdue, and we decide we're going to take her back to our tavern mm-hmm. to interrogate. As we leave the theater, uh, we have this running gag in there of, auto, of contact transportation. <laughs> Uh, we call it an, an umber, mm-hmm. as an umber Hulk. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're waiting. The gag is there is a mind flayer who is telepathically connected to all of these umbers. Okay. So all you have to do is be standing in the city and go, "I would like a ride. I'd like to take an umber," and an umber will appear. Okay. And then the umber will go where you want to go. Since, you know, this is like water deep and fantasy and no Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> so as we come out of the theater with this with our captive, a number pulls up and an, an agent of the Harpers. And the Harpers is one of the many, many factions in D&D. And makes a deal with us, gives us a bag of potions, takes possession of the, of the uh, prisoner, and gives us a the umber and tells us hey you need to go to this person to find the stone because the stone wasn't on the uh, person we chased down so that's where we ended okay it was a very it was a much tighter session because it sounded I was, like it was boom 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 well part of that is because with top shelf's new work schedule on sundays yeah. it's like and my new work schedule it's like i get home i get about two hours max before people are supposed to start coming and we start playing. Okay. And then I have to leave to go and pick Top Shelf up from work. Yeah. So we only have a very, like, three to four hours that we really need to progress through. And sometimes with our group, the shenanigans of the group tends to extend gameplay. This time, though, it's like, nah, not so much. So we were kind of on point with it going through, and yeah. it was much. It was a much tighter session as sent in the sense that it wasn't a whole lot of red herrings or MacGuffins. Yes. Um, but that was that. that. Oh, sorry. See, is that exhaustion? I really need to get some sleep. Oh yeah, I understand exhaustion. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, like I'm not tired, and then I'll be. Passed out on the couch and Netflix has moved Dude, on to Fort. It was so bad on Saturday. I got home, tried to go to bed, got to typically take a nap Saturday evening. Yeah. I laid down. Two hours later, I was like wide awake, ready to roll, and it's like I had to still, I had to be up three hours from then to go do the ride. So it's just like long, long day. <laughs> So, onward. Onward to airsoft. Pew, pew, pew. Ping, ping, ping. Something in the water. Something didn't work. Oh, that was that. 
You tell me. So, we're going to talk some airsoft fun stuff. Reposition the map a little bit. Alright. Little position. I see. Well, what I have for today's discussion on gameplay is... Playing games. Yes. Uh, so, Saturday and Sunday, I was able to be on the field to be a part of the attack and defend game. Okay. Yeah, I had partial days because I had these D&D games. So, the attack and defend... Basic setup is this. Um, I can't see the map too well from here, but in the north, in the south section of the town, uh, let's see, G15 and F15, if you see on the map, that's yeah. the LZ. That was the starting point for the attackers on the first day and the defenders on the second day. Okay. Their objective was to retrieve two... The attacker's objective in both days was to retrieve two cases. One case is in the town, which is on G11. And one case was at the pond bunker, which is E10 on the map. Okay. All right. That was Saturday. The defenders Saturday were split into two groups. One group would start at the halfback bunker, which is H7... And the other half would start in the Cannibal Village, which is A11. The group... Now, the Cannibal Village was also the respawn point. So, having the forces split allowed for some better staging to react once the, once the start. Because they had to defend the two cases. The one case in the courtyard and the one case in the pond bunker. Okay. The attackers, coming from the LZ, had to locate both cases... And then move them to the North Sam site, which is the right around G5 or G5, G6 on the map. Okay. So now we had a bit of rain, but the field was a little bit drier this weekend than the previous weekend. So while there were still some elements of mud, yeah, it was it was a fairly fairly good day. Yeah. You know. So. Now, the attack, defenders had some organization this time. Okay. Uh, a couple of the guys who are out there are really good leaders and are typically like platoon leaders, yeah. so to speak, so they're a command and control element. Coordinated having the defenders protect the courtyard, and then if the courtyard is taken, to fall back and defend the pond bunker. Now, once the attackers got both cases to the North Sam site... They had to wait X amount of time for extraction. Okay. At that point, their respawn would close, where they would all have the medics. And the defender's respawn would shift to the Escher, which is roughly F11 on the map. And that's where they would respawn, to okay. get a little closer distance. Because it's one thing to respawn, because the amount of time it takes from walk one into the other. So some of that, you want to keep the gameplay dynamic, you want to keep it going. Now, the medic ratio is defenders were 100% medic. The attackers were two-thirds medic. Start a game. The defenders hold up. The attackers get to the courtyard, retrieve the case, and then get wiped out. So the case is now laying in the center of town. And Meanwhile, the defenders had repositioned to protect the pond bunker. They managed to hold both of them until the, like the last 10 minutes of gameplay. And that is... Now, the game is roughly an hour long. So, when they held it for that last 10 minutes, that is when the, the, the attackers were finally able to get to the... Or was it? Oh, I went. The defenders were actually able to get the... The attackers got the case and then pulled out. Okay. So once they pulled out, then it was like, okay, cool. At this point, the attackers had to try and hold for extraction. So we, the game is only about an hour long. Okay. And then after that, we take our break for lunch. So this happens, and that's how the Saturday gameplay goes. The attackers, at the very end, were able to get both cases. Sunday, 
what changes is we put the box not at the pond bunker, but at the barrier where it's pipeline, which is E11, I want to say, E11, E12 for the barrier woods. Okay. The defenders now started and spawned in the LZ. The attackers were split. And the attackers had to try and get the cases and get them to the North Fob. Okay. This game went completely differently. <laughs> because the attackers were able to re retrieve one case and get it out to where they had to go, but they could not get the other case. And So that one, I would assume, it was more defended? Yeah, defenders okay. had it. They couldn't... I did not hear over the radio that they got the case up to the north. Yeah. Never did that. They got one case up there, that was it. So, it was kind of cool. But it was also a lot... The organization level was different, but they also were able to hold the ground better different. And it was a smaller group than it was Saturday. Okay. So. But that's pretty much our gameplay for the weekend. This weekend I should be out there a full day, so I hope I have more. Very quick. Not a whole lot going on. This is actually a very small week. Yeah, it does. It sounds like a lot of the lot of stories you you know you get from the airsoft. There's something you know big and sporadic. This one was just pretty much doing doing, dun dun. Well, I mean, they were organized and they were efficient, yeah. and it was pushing them to go this direction or that. Some of the really cool instances where it's like I'm standing there and watching. I was standing there watching the Westro Connex, and got a player coming up or coming up and around and couldn't get too far and was backed up well they had an opposing team coming across and when she rounded the corner had full line of fire on him <laughs> but she was dry firing so it's like you're just watching this and then later same position another person he's coming around a little building inside the building there's some people healing yeah you just see him walking and kind of creeping. Um, another cool thing for Sunday was uh, I'm standing there watching the pond bunker. And there's this guy in like old Vietnam style kit. Solid mm -hmm. OD green M16A1 replica. And it's like, got to get to the bunker. And he goes, all right. Goes into the pond and wraps around and comes in to try and get into the bunker because... The main the dry the the dry part was well covered, so he was trying to flank it and just rolled right into the pond, which I don't see very many people jumping into the pond. But that was pretty good. I mean, it was a nice quiet day. I mean, nobody got hurt. Everybody had fun. So yeah, that's good. No, I'm trying to get better at this fun. whole gameplay recap. I feel like I'm rambling tonight. No, you were on point. Okay. It was just it was just very just very straightforward. Yeah, it's trying that, to be very That was just very straightforward, attacking the fin and attacking the fin. So. Yeah. I mean I didn't get to see the scenario sides, but I heard they went pretty well. Yeah. So. More to come. Alright. So, what do we want to talk about next? There's a few things in here. Okay. Um this uh, esports article is a good discussion of topics. Yeah. And there's a lot of like when I brought when I when I when I went through this article before and sent it to you, uh, the first thing I thought about was that that project I did. Yes. So. I thought it, about that too. Yeah, and it just it just highlights what I was emphasizing in that that uh, project. So just for those of you who don't know, I did a portfolio project based on esports and why it should be considered a sport. So I did a lot of research, I did a lot of reading, interviewed Scuba and one of our other friends who have, you know, have been part of the gaming community from two different spectrums. Mm -hmm. And this article talks about uh, esports in high school. All right, so let's get it up. This, this yeah. is an article from NPR. Yeah. It's uh, as esports take off, high school leagues get in the game. Yeah. Um, I find this is 
interesting and there's something that we could talk about as far as an element of creativity in games yeah. is the fact that esports has grown yeah. so much in our generation. Yeah, it's it's grown up in increments, but in like the last like ten years, it is sh- shot exponentially. Not the fact that all the tournaments and all the stuff you can game in to make money, just just the fact that it's it's uh, expanded exponentially when it comes to other things outside the main community, the mm-hmm. core community. So you got universities getting into leagues, um, oh. high schools getting into leagues. You have you know actually having like like scout teams and all this stuff to prep people for being a pro at eSkate in games. Now, a little more local knowledge on yes. this is Top Shelf was part of a gaming club oh, yeah. at school and they actually had a presentation about how the, like, the lo- local community college has an eSports team Yes, and that there's this development of eSports teams um, and this article goes into talking about how now you're getting scholarships for being esport, yeah. and one of the distinctions is, is it's not considered a sport; it's yeah. considered academic in some circles, and even here in Virginia, regardless of where these things are coming up, it's the fact that these are coming up. And the, when you look at a lot of the games that have been released, it's like some of them have been released and have immediately gone into an esport type of venue. Yeah. Right. Overwatch, Rocket League, Halo, CS:GO, Call of Duty, all these major team sport type yeah. games where you have a lot of PvP type interaction have all become some type of esport tournament. Oh yeah, and naming those games like you mentioned, those big games, and then some other ones that litter out through it. You know, you have fightings, you have some kind of like. Um, um, you got RT- sport games. Um, you've got the um, RTSs. I mean, RTSs. You have um, also the, like League of Legends and Dota Two and all them out there. That no, just just checking the checking oh. chat. But what it shows is that it's 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 more than just a, just a variety of games. Is that each of these games and each of these types sh- showcase a different skill set that you have to learn and train and mm-hmm. get good at. And like you emphasize with the PvP and a lot of these team based, especially in like games like Counter Strike, um, you know, like Counter Strike, you really have to work together in a team because you have to be pinpoint accurate and understand well, who you fight against. Them. And then yeah. having these teams, and we've all esports has been really big internationally, and it's now just becoming bigger in the in the U.S. Oh, yeah. I mean. Plenty of conversation about. Uh, I think we're getting some satire. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. But th- that that idea of you know it's you know the team base um, training your skill um, competing that is just the highlight of what makes this more than just it being played on an electronic interface is the fact that it is a sport. Every sport has these elements. No matter what genre of sport it is, you you have to prep your skills to get better at it. And the fact that you have all these stuff um, starting to invest in it and recognize it is becoming prime and just showing the evolution of just showing how society evolves in certain ways too. Well, and then in with this is also from the parents' perspective, the acknowledgement that this is becoming an actual. It's another kind of a changing of the guards. Yeah. It's also a changing of the guards. Like you, you recognize that change happens, but it's possible to happen in a good way. So if you can have people that are um, that are great at it and actually have a viable avenue to succeed in it, then it's only going to generate more interest more investors, more income, more of an outwards effect to develop that arena for this yeah. uh, this uh, sport. And it definitely goes into this could be this is going to be a new thing. This is probably something that uh, Skittles might be able to do as she gets older. Yeah, and just like you said, you have local colleges that are uh, 
you know bringing up esports as a viable option you have like just random you can just go to any random shop or even the mall and you see like a storefront for esports leagues esports gamings almost every plaza in this uh, metro area you could find an esports league and it's just they're popping up like flies they're like convenience stores now so it's really prime yeah so it just it just shows like you said a change it's got such open accessibility yeah. as opposed to more traditional yeah like you don't have to be a certain type or you have to have a certain physique or be able to be agile for certain things no you just got to be willing to learn and improve mm-hmm. your mind as well as hand eye coordination because every game is different Mm-hmm. So, uh, Virginia is piloting their esports league. If enough students are interested and funds available, we'll offer it again next year. So, this will be a very interesting year for Virginia. Oh yeah, it does highlight a lot of stuff pinpointing in here. So, so link in the uh, link in the show notes when we post up. So, so check it out. Yeah, there's a lot of good good uh, good discussions in this article. Yes, so, and if you're into esports. Definitely support your local leagues. <laughs> yes, yes. Alrighty. Anything else to sit there and chat about, or shall we roll right into odds and ends? Um, I think it's, I'm ready, ready to get some oddies and some endies. Odds and ends. We're going to end with some oddishness. Alright, so odds and ends. A collection of internet stories we find that are relatively current. That just... Relatively reminder he reminded me today relatively Uh, just some interesting things going on and this one we're going to talk this one's kind of themed around traveling oh yeah so there is a lot of highlights of traveling which one are we going to pop first oh we're we're going to go with the oldest gag in the book because i read this article and i'm thinking back to the jetsons movie am i am i thinking of the one i'm supposed to be thinking yeah okay so Go back, back in the day, Jetson's animated movie. Yes. George is trying to go through traffic, and of course they're making fun of L.A. traffic. And he decides to try and burn through this lane by thinking he had an extra person in the in the car. Yes. So it was an inflatable in the cartoon that it didn't work. But this guy, he sat there. Let's see. There was a guy in Arizona. Got caught driving in the HOV lane. And what he had was he had this cat. A cat fake daddy. skeleton. Dressed up like a person yeah. in the passenger seat. Dead cat daddy. Like, so, really? I thought we were done with this gag. Hey, you know, um, any way to get around traffic. And you at least need at least two in most HOV lanes. Why not? So, quoting this uh, article from NPR, uh, quote, A 62-year-old received a penalty ticket on Thursday when a trooper noticed the skeleton wearing a camouflage bucket hat and tied upright in the passenger seat with a yellow rope, end quote. (laughs) So, not only was it very noticeable, but it's just funny that it was a 62-year-old man. So, and... Let's continue this. This is not the first time he's a man done tried to cheat the rules of Arizona carpool lane. Oh, wow. So, just quote, another motorist was cited last April for driving an HOV lane on a different Arizona freeway with a mannequin wearing a baseball hat and sunglasses. So, people in Arizona will try every way to get around traffic. Apparently, they don't have really bad traffic. Oh, yeah. Compared to what, like you said, L.A., New York. <laughs> The bigger metropolitan areas. Yeah. So. Probably even, I would say, they don't have as bad traffic here. But I don't have never so. been there. So you tell me, Arizonians. So here's our next story. And this is, the headline for this is Mario Meet Hulk. Mario Nintendo Meet Hulk. Park coming to Universal Orlando. Oh snap. Yeah. That is Universal exciting. Orlando is going to have a Nintendo theme park section that is going to be Mario and Pokemon. Pokemon. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> and this was reported by uh, one of our local news, WTKR News Channel 3. Yep. Um, Support local. So, quote, 
A fourth park at Universal Orlando is being created based on characters from Nintendo. Um, executives of the company that owns the Universal Park made the announcements during the question and answer portion of an earnings call Thursday, end quote. This is going to be big when it drops. Oh, yeah. And this will entice me to really want to go. <laughs> I have never been to Universal. I've never been to Orlando to any of those theme parks. Oh, yeah, I've been to Orlando, have, uh, have an aunt and, you know, family there. But I've been to Universal at a very young age, so it'd be nice to return. Well, I wouldn't mind going to the Disney park to see the Star Wars stuff, but hey. Hey, we can hit both. Let's make it happen, people. Well, speaking of road trips, how about we go stay at the Atari Hotel? Let's go stay at one of these hotels. So everybody, some of the older guys like me who this remember the guy. birth of console gaming, um... Apparently, Atari is now going to build a hotel. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty Video game-themed hotel. Announces that it has begun work on a video game-themed hotel. The first one will open in Phoenix. Arizona. You get the first prime one. Oh, Lord. So, begin working on a video game-themed hotel in the United States. The Atari brand has been around since the 1970s. <laughs> Wow. I just... Video game turned hotel. Hey, however you need to invest to get the money back, but just just the, uh, just the idea of a, video, a, a hotel just themed around a video game. Just think of the amenities that you could probably uh, do in that hotel. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just uh, it's a who's who of amazing imagination for some of us old peeps out here who love Atari. Um... <laughs> Never been, so I can't say yay or nay on that comment right there. <laughs> Arizona is an interesting place. So, uh, but is... I have friends in Phoenix, so it might be worth uh, checking that out. <laughs> so just to end on this quote, they plan to have locations in Vegas, Denver, Chicago, Austin, Seattle, San Fran, and San Jose, end quote. Uh, as reported on Screen Rant. Seattle might be an interesting one. Oh, yeah. So I'm close down. To, so Let's close go. to Microsoft and so, Nintendo. So, you know, you have a video game hotel um, and a state that has um, legal stuff. Mm-hmm. All the fun. Yeah. Now, got one more. <laughs> one I don't have a picture more. for this one. But I'm sure we've all wanted to go to this place. And that is the fact Disney is officially opening a Pizza Planet. Yes, it is. So if any of us have watched the Pixar stuff, we know that Pizza Planet is everywhere. But now we're going to have an official Pizza Planet restaurant. Oh, yes. As reported on uh, Thrillist, there's going to be a... Um, pizza Planet will replace Red Rocket's Pizza Port in Tomorrowland. And you will soon be able to say the claw at the very same place. Full title of the restaurant is the Aliens Pizza Planet, a better place. I would definitely go out of my way and visit this thing, because I am a big fan of Toy Story. So it just it'll just entice me to go. Oh, actually, I think it's interesting reading this article. Right, is the fact that it says according to Disney News Today. Seriously, Disney's that big? They have their own news outlet now. Well, it's possible. Uh, I guess it's not overly surprising. It exists. I've confirmed it, people. Yeah. It's a news site for Disney Parks news, so oh, it makes sense. Figures. Okay. Anyway, well, Disney owns everybody plus me. <laughs> you know. Alrighty. Hey. I think we're good. That's that on the yeah. odds and endies. It does. It covers all that. That's some issue with the soundtrack, so hey. Show must go on. Yeah, let's go to the Pizza Planet. Let's go. <laughs> well, this is a fairly short show today, so we're going to uh, wish you all the best. Go through our go through our contact info and kind of kick this off, and then we'll roll over to our Patreon group. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for staying with us. If you want to try and get in contact with us, you can find Ryguy at IncubusTrav on Instagram. Message me, like me, send a friend request. And you can find me at ScubaCod on most of your uh, social media outlets. You can find the show on Facebook slash 
Scuba Studio, as well as our YouTube channel where you can find our show reviews for different the episodes for The Mandalorian and The Witcher. Yes. Check it out. Share it with your friends. You can find the uh, recordings of this show on your local podcast connections, Apple, Google, Spotify. Also, yes. if you like the show and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash scuba studio. Uh, Patreon members get exclusive access and early access to our content that's released, as well as exclusivities like our Patreon chat, which is going to be an interactive chat with anyone who's a patron who jumps into the Discord server with us. Uh, if you're on Discord and want to check us out, you can find us at Scuba Studio on Discord. I think that's about everything. Yeah, that's everything. All right. All right, guys. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah, see the context stuff. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot to push the button. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. And with that, we will wish you all a good night. Love each other. Have a good day. Peace. <laughs>